Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another uh, Empowered Love show. And we've had uh, replays on for the last week because I'm still officially on holidays, but back to this radio show and... Nancy Mitchell and I are going to be doing a show today and it's a really, really important narcissism show. But, you know, Nancy and I have been having a conversation uh, before. We've, we've come on in now because as a lot of people listening, I mean, obviously Australians are very aware that uh, we're undergoing the worst floods in history at the moment in uh, northern uh, Australia, which is up in Queensland on the east coast. And I'm not affected, I'm down in Victoria, but Nancy's actually very, very close uh, up in northern Queensland to where it's, it is going on. And it's just horrific, you know. And I know that uh, I've had some uh, people email me and, and other things from America and stuff who, who obviously are getting quite a lot of big news over there about what's going on here. And it's just, you know, we've been through the uh, bushfires and now we're going through the floods and it's just really quite a, an intense time here, definitely for a lot of people. But, uh, yeah, so hi, Ness. Yeah, hi, Mel. Hi, everyone. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, Nancy and I are going, hang on, we're going to be talking about narcissism in a minute, which we definitely are. <laughs> it was just a little yeah, bit I know. fun we, by... We have, we have yeah, to do a mind switch shots, take over talking about what's going on up here and, um, yeah, and, and starting, and affecting northern New South Wales as well. I mean, there's just, the, the sheer volume of water moving through is absolutely incredible. So, yeah, and Toowoomba, you know, this morning, oh, uh, and, I think yeah, that absolutely shocked she, everybody what happened there, so. So, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, you know. because, and as Nancy was saying, you know, that 600 metres above sea level and just the, the sheer volume of water that's come through like an inland tsunami. So what, there's like, uh, last I heard there was eight people dead and 72 missing and uh, it just took them completely by surprise. So, you know, we had all those bushfires a couple of years ago that were just terrific and uh, now floods, it's just... You know, it's a harsh land out here when uh, things, you know, go um, Mother Nature's way in this way. So, but yeah, it's just it's just full on. But anyway, we're going to put that to the side for the moment because you know, obviously, there's another big epidemic and problem and situations that are happening out there in huge numbers, and we know that that's narcissism. And Nancy and I have both been involved in high-level narcissistic situations and our own recovery and. We both, you know, had a talk about what we were going to talk about today on the show and both really, and I think we both had pretty much the same idea, that we really wanted to talk about that narcissists think very, very differently from the way we think. And this, I believe, is one of the key components in learning to get your power back and to detach is to stop actually trying to get that justice and force that narcissist to behave in a model that we know is human because it just isn't like that. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, so you know, Nance, you know, this is a topic that you really agree with and I know that you've done a lot of research as I have and, you know, we're both... Um, been, been really quite involved in the, the fascination of narcissism and how it actually does operate and how it does work and, and obviously that's been vital in our recovery and it's also been vital in us you know, really trying to assist other people as well. So, so Nance, just take it away with whatever you want to add to that and we'll just, we'll just kick it off. 
Well, I think, you know, I mean, for me, and I grew up around narcissism and I've probably always been in close contact with it in one form or another. And one of the, I suppose, one of the, the, the wrong things that I was actually taught was uh, men don't aren't as in touch with their feelings. So you have to allow them some sort of leeway for, you know, some of their behaviour. But when you actually get into narcissism, it's, it's, it's actually quite different. I mean, they are in touch with their feelings, but only on their level. And when when you, you try to sort out what's going on in their head, everything they do, everything they do, everything they say has an agenda attached. It's Everything is for something. And nothing is done by them because they think... Um, if there there is no payoff for them, so it yes. actually comes to a point. And and to actually think like that, when you try to do it yourself, it's actually very difficult. I mean, when, <laughs> even when you're speaking, even when you're speaking to a narcissist and they know what you're doing, you're still astounded. Like you're still astounded at what at the things they they do and say, even though you know why they're doing it. You sort of think, but how can yes. you think like that? And yes. I think because because they are so agenda orientated, if you you can do a loving gesture to them, and they'll believe yes. that you've got an agenda attached, because they often believe Correct. That you think like them. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And this is so, one of the things you know, that, can, that can really push us forward is that the narcissist actually thinks you think like him or her, yes. of course. And we just. Put that point across quickly but for any listeners that are listening for the first time to this show. But we do uh, often speak about the narcissist in the male gender sense, but please, please know that we are very aware that there are female narcissists as well. And that, yes. you know, and I do. I personally have men come forward from recovery from narcissistic females. But, you know, just for the ease of speaking, we're using him. Okay, cool. But Nancy, you're absolutely right. You, I, I think that is a really, really good point. What you said about is that we can often be brought up with, and especially with men, and not that we want to be sexist, but women have really come from that paradigm, that, that older paradigm of, you know, well, um, well, that's the man and you do what he says. Now, we might want to admit that, but that has been a big thing. I, I know with my mum, it used to be, well, that's just your father. You know what your father's like, you know. So really, what was what that was saying was obey your father. You know that's just what he's like. So we can really be brought up to think that certain behaviours and things are just okay, or they're the way they are. But they're not the way they are, and they're not the way they should be. And you're so right about the narcissist having an agenda. And this is what does your head in until you absolutely understand what's going on in that sense. I know with every client that comes forward, and I was myself like this, I used to say to girlfriends, psychologists, or anyone who would listen, I'd give them a rendition of a story that was just absolutely ridiculous, that did not make sense. He did this, he did this, he said that. You know, one of my big, big beefs that I had was in my situation, you know, which is very common, and I know you went through this too, Nance, is I put in a lot of resources, financial time yes. and effort, an enormous amount, and it would all get twisted and turned around to I did nothing. I contributed nothing. I gave nothing. I, you know, and, and on a normal human level, the facts backed up that I did. It was logical that it was nearly all my money, it was, you know, so much of my resources, my effort, my credit ratings, all these things that he didn't have, but it all got twisted around to I did nothing, it was all his. Now, that's only just one of a thousand different episodes. Now, the thing was, with the narc, he, look, it really didn't matter whether or not he was creating an argument about two purple flies going up the wall backwards or about all the finances were his, or, you know, that guy that I apparently looked at at the side of my eye while we were driving the car happened to have, you know, good, strong chest muscles. None of that really mattered. Really what it was about for him was he knew that got to me. Now, if it had been That's two right. purple flies walking up the wall backwards, 
he would have used that. So the conversation what yeah, you go Nance, yeah. Oh sorry, no. No, 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 well, go you know, because I mean I mean, that's what happens and I mean I I even remember in the middle of my relationship I you know, I, I actually pulled back a lot and I started reading a lot of books on relationships and, you know, how men think differently and doing all that. And I actually really withdrew, started to sort of like, you know, withdraw a bit and not be so asking for attention or asking, because mine, mine actually went the workaholic way, wouldn't have anything to do with me. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and what would happen is everything would seem fine. There was no conflict. And he'd just do something completely out of the blue, like he'd just walk past me one day and goes, there's something wrong with you. I mean, it'd just there'd be no rhyme or reason, but it was all designed just to throw me and upset me because I, yes. maybe I looked too comfortable, or you know, and um, and and they're the sort of things that do drive you insane because you cannot get a handle on it, you cannot fix it, you cannot sort it out. So but, well, that's right. And the thing is, a normal, reasonable human being, and I'm not even talking about a high-functioning, evolved being. I'm just talking about a normal human being, whatever normal in inverted brackets means. But it's somebody yes. with, you know, enough um, emotional intelligence to be normal, whatever that is, is not going to know that you put in, whether it be two, three, four or five more times, the resources into creating a life together and then twist it all around and tell you you put in nothing. You yes. know. But really, I mean, that, that, that's largely the projection on their part because they're the ones that don't put in anything, so they, you know, they, they must make it look like you didn't. No, no, I think they're very well aware of that. Well, that's exactly right, and this is the point that we're making. You, you're spot on. It is projection and it's a twist. Now, it, this is, you know, this is incredible phenomena that go on with narcissistic abuse, and they are phenomena. And one of the phenomena is projection. And the projection just also happens to be whatever the narcissist has done to you, he'll uh, create the illusion or it will feel like truth that you've actually done that to him. And now, they're very, very aware of what they're doing, but there's also a part of them that is so disassociated and it's so pathological that it actually believes it. So this and is that's where right, the... Yeah, you yep, go. Pecker. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I've, I've forgot what I just I was had saying, a mouthful of nuts because you were going to talk. <laughs> I'm having a little snack as we go here. I'm multitasking. Yeah, I mean, going, going back to, you know, they're disassociated. And, but, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways they are aware, but it goes back to the fact that they still believe that you think like they do, so that you are Correct. doing all this agenda-based stuff. So that's why they accuse you. And I remember, you know, and this is not just the last relationship, it's been a couple of relationships, that yeah. I, I, I got accused of doing things that I couldn't even think of in my wildest dreams of doing. Correct. And, Correct. and, that, and that's, that's the sort of thing that stuns you. Yes. Stock standard narcissistic abuse is that, is that you will be accused. See, so the thing is, when narcissists get with the codependent model of person, the codependent usually has high ethics and high values yes. and high morality and has a, you, and, and may have a fine trigger on I can feel really upset when people don't know I'm a good person because the codependent yes. has been lacking that knowing of I am a good person regardless of what other people think. So, you know, there's that set up for the narcissist to come along and actually say to you, well, you are this, you are that, you lack integrity, you cheat, you lie, you steal, you whatever, you don't care about me, you don't love, you don't... And then yes, the narcissist yes. will do... Sorry, the codependent will do their head in wanting to step up higher and higher and higher and higher to prove to the narcissist and themselves fundamentally that they actually are a good person. But the thing is, with the narc, while he's doing all this twisting and turning and all this stuff to you, we get caught up in the details of the argument. We get caught yes. up in and this is where I fell badly, and this is where we all fall badly, and we want to stick in there and get justice and fight to, for him to get it. And, you know, I just spend three days on a particular argument to get the resolution I wanted on it. Whether it well, been I mean, that I've contributed nothing, whether it had been all these sorts of things, and with the narc, you know, 
And I'll get back to that parallel, if you like, about two purple flies going up the wall backwards. He didn't really care about the details of the argument. What it ensured him was supply, narcissistic supply. So by pushing the buttons that hurt and affected me, it ensured my full attention on him for those three days. Yes, and this is what this and is. This is the agenda-based stuff, Nance, that you're talking about, because mm-hmm. the bottom line for a narc is supply, which is attention, good or bad. It doesn't matter, and it doesn't matter to them what they say to you or what they do to you, as long as the outcome is is um, they have control in the end, and whether they're that's controlling right. your good mood or your supply, bad yeah. mood, it doesn't really matter what it is. And, yes. um, you know, yes. I found that, you know, to sort of extend on this, I mean, they call this a personality disorder, but I think basically because everything is is agenda-based to how they appear to the world, so therefore how their reflection appears, they yes. don't actually have yes. a personality. It, it is just a, a matter of copying other people. And I found with mine, he copied me. He copied my my yes. own values, my own morals, my own everything, yes. turned all yes. the bad stuff back onto me. So in effect, what he actually did, and of course, I, I kept bringing myself down because I was too emotional. I was too, uh, you know, I, yeah. I, I like to talk about things and all sorts of things. So I'm stuffing all my emotions back in. And so what, what effectively happens is he basically stole my personality. And it was like I yes. didn't have one anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's that dynamic. And I agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's like takeover, really, isn't it? Because there's so many aspects of narcissism that absolutely feels like takeover. So, you know, your ideas are going to become his ideas. Your, you know, anything that you've, you've actually done, he's going to step in and go, well, look at me, look at me, this is me. You know, exactly he's going right. to like undermine you so he looks better. So you know, whether it be property, finances, emotions, love, everything, everything's about takeover. So you do end up feeling like you've been taken over, and there's nothing yes. left of you. And, and then the narcissist the is walking you... around, really um, portraying, you know, this false self that's been held up artificially by other people's energy because he can't supply himself his own energy. And he's looking like he's great and the world's fantastic and I've got this and I've got that and I've come... You know, most narcs walking out of relationships, they're the ones that end up with the houses, the good cars, the, you know, people that believe them, people that, you know, they end up with the friends, they end up with... That's generally how it looks like on the surface. And you feel like you're left with nothing. and that's where, where because of all this projection, it's actually very difficult if you're an outsider looking in on a relationship to figure out which one one is the narcissist. Exactly, exactly. So you know, because and, and I why... think you know, well, I think I think you know when 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 we get pushed so far by a narcissist in a relationship, we actually start to behave rather borderline ourselves. So oh, you know, no by the end of it. That. You know, there is absolutely and, and the end, no doubt about that. Yeah, and by the end of it, you 100% know, we are. We are, we are no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, and there is and no that, doubt about it. And look, the thing is, too, and I really believe that's a great point because it does get back to, uh, you know, we need to understand how a narc thinks because when you're in a relationship with a narcissist, if you think you expect him to act like a normal human being, which means having some compassion, being accountable, uh, being able to look at two sides of something rather than just this warped perception that doesn't make sense. In, In other words, to act in a humane fashion that we would actually expect normal people to, to operate in. If you're going to expect those things and it's not actually going down, you're going to go crazy trying to get it. Yes. And trying to control it. To you know, Whenever and you're trying to control the uncontrollable, you're going to go crazy. And, you know, and I mean, you know, there's a, 
it's a question that's commonly asked is, did he really love me? Now, I think in the beginning with the yeah. idealisation phase, the narc does believe he loves you. But it's that ad- yeah, adolescent, you know, that ad- adolescent type, um, you know, um, love that all the chemicals in the brain yeah, the go run wild. Yeah, the partner, the infatuation, the perfect Yes, world, all of that. Sort of and, you know, we all, we, all, yeah. we all experience that. That's that crazy time when you're madly in love. But after well, six months, true, it's all that time... Right. just as guilty as that as what anarchies in a lot of ways. Yes. Because the codependent model can be... I mean, the only difference is codependents do have compassion and empathy and conscience, but That's they right. can absolutely fall into idealism and because we're brought up on fairy tales. Yes, and, 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 and that does happen. So, but what happens is after six months, and I mean, you're going, getting into neuroscience and all that sort of stuff now, and after six months, all those chemical reactions start to fade. But for, for a normal human being, you know, it develops into a deeper kind of love and you get to know somebody and you discover they've got flaws Correct. and faults and you love them in, in spite of it. The narcissist right. goes the opposite way. He starts to say, "Oh, you're not perfect," and and he doesn't. Right. It doesn't develop into anything else. Yes. So yes. then you go. Then you think. Yep. Who done? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the mark and the codependent, you know that idealism is it can be very similar, and both of them are going. Well, the mark is going. Well, you're not perfect, but what he's really saying is you know, you're not perfect enough to love me and adore me regardless of my behaviour. Yeah. And, and the codependent is saying, well, you know, you're not enough to give me to myself, you know, to make me yeah. happy. Because the codependent is like, well, not what can I give? It's like, what can I get? And yeah. so there's both these dynamics playing out which, which make it a mess. But what is very important to understand is the codependent still has the ability to think in humane terms. Yes. You know, and a codependent is not going to pathologically lie their behind off in order to get a reaction to get narcissistic supply. Mm. You know, a codependent has got a conscience. So a codependent is going to go, well, you know what, I'm not going to use that as a tactic. I might feel needy, I might feel empty, but I, my conscience won't allow me to use that as a tactic. Whereas with a narcissist, the narcissist will say, you know what, I know no matter how outrageous that is, that hurts, that maims, that causes a reaction, and that causes that person to focus their attention on me. So yes. they'll use it. They'll use whatever comes with that. But and, yeah, and, and, yeah, and this, this, this is a where great point. And this is where the dynamics seem to change. And I think, you know, is um, when in the beginning of the relationship, the, it's like the narcissist is so, like, obsessed, is, is very obsessional with, you know, you, and he's, you know, he's always Absolutely. calling you and what are you doing and all of that sort of stuff. But when it changes and when he suddenly withdraws, it's, it's, it's actually us that become obsessed. What can I do? Correct. How can I fix it? How can I get him to? So, so you know, the, the thing does it in a 180-degree turn. And, and you know what, Nancy, if more women would admit that, what you have just yeah. said then, that would be a huge, huge step to recovery because I, I'm really, you know, a little bit over hearing people say all the time that they really didn't know, that they just got lined up, that they didn't contribute to any of it at all. Yeah. You know, it, and that's very, very I mean, true. That's really, I mean, really these are the, what you just said. These are the big bridges that, you know, you really do need to cross coming out. And it was actually before I found well, you. So it was about, oh, you know, 18 months ago now. I, yeah. I actually sat down and thought about it and I thought, what is it that makes me keep letting him back in? Because how he mm. treated me, I thought, and I sat down and thought about it and I thought, how he's treated me, this can't be love. So what is yeah. it? And that's when I started to tweak that there was there was a lot more going on here than you know just loving yeah. somebody. So yeah, absolutely, and, you know, absolutely. So, and look, you know, love's not love's respectful. You know, yeah, so and, and, and know, many of the things you say about all of that focus at the start, Nance, you know, which is, and this is where narcs don't think like normal people because you know bringing it back to the topic of this particular show. To be contacted, 
10, 11, 12 times a day. And if you're not, you know, in contact back within a reasonable space of time because you're busy, three or four messages. Now, women have got a really, and so do men, but, it, you know, anybody who's thinking about a potential partner has got to wake up and realise that is not healthy behaviour. Mm. Okay, and, uh, you know, maybe if they've got an emergency in their life and something's happening and somebody's got, you know, on the yeah, way to the hospital sure, sure, or whatever, yeah. but apart from that, that is not healthy behaviour. So, you know, when we're taking that, whenever we're unhealthy enough to feel like that level of, of obsession or attention is actually flattering, there's a problem. And I did. And I know, you know, we've got to put a hand up and say we did. But yeah, that's you right. Could imagine, you can imagine if you, codependents generally won't act like that. It's somebody with a level of narcissism who's got entitlement running. So that yes. neediness is entitled. I'm entitled to your attention right here, right now. And if you don't give it to me, I'm not going to be happy about that. And see, what happens with the narcissist down the track is if they're not getting your attention, your narcissistic supply when they're demanding it, they have to get it from somewhere else. So this is where yes. they will be getting it from somewhere else. And that will generally be members of the opposite sex if they're heterosexual. Yes. That's what they'll be doing. Mm. And boy, so do they. <laughs> hey? Oh, dear. And boy, do they. Wait, what did you yes. say? I said, and boy, do they. They get that attention Absolutely. anywhere they can. So, yes. Absolutely. So. Absolutely they do. You know, so that's that agenda-based thing that you're thinking about. So really what it boils down to is you're not a human being. So, you know, no. human beings look at other human beings as a part of humanity, which is like, you know, you're another being that I'm sharing space with who has feelings and emotions and I can consider those and, you know, they're a part of my environment. The narcissist looks at you as supply. So you're an object yes. that can give him supply. So if we get back to the vampire model... That you know, narcissism. If you research about vampires, you'll you'll find out that the myth of vampires was actually modelled on narcissism. Oh, and that's and, totally believable. Yes. Yes, and when you think about it, it is just absolutely the perfect metaphor. Because yes. what does a vampire do? He he sucks blood to sustain his life, and that's what a narcissist must do. And and for a narcissist. That is his driver. That is his driver. So, you know, when I have clients that are far enough in recovery and getting themselves back, and a lot of it is, is, is always through quantum healing to be able to, you know, get, get that foundation under them and, and get themselves back. But when they get far enough into that, you know, we start really dissecting those conversations which are all about he did this, he did that, oh my God, and I've sat him down and I've explained to him and I've told him and I've written him letters and I did all of that, I promise you. You know, over yeah, and over and over and over, over and over again, we, we all did that, you know, because we're women, we want to fix it, we want to change it, we want to heal it, we want to make it work. You know, that's what women do. And a lot of men can do that too, with narcissistic females, absolutely. But when we all cut it down and we all get it down, all those twists and turns and words and lies and predictions and all of that, it doesn't matter whether or not it was about two purple flies going up the wall backwards. The, the, the details are irrelevant. It was and all that's to what get it is. supply. Yes. yes, and it was, it was all, all about them. Supply. Yes. So, yes. yeah, and, and that and is, it is right. Yes, yes. And you know, that's how they you yeah, and that's that's coming through through the healing, you know. And I mean, you know, you sort of yeah. sit there and go, oh, you know, he did this, and how am I going to get over that? But you actually get to a stage. It was it was nothing to do with you anyway, really. It never that's was. Exactly it never right. was between you and them. It was just between right. them and them. <laughs> so that's right. That's right. And then of course, you know, our part in it was about understanding that as codependents, what we were doing. And codependent is a very broad statement. You know, for people uh, joining into the show for the first time, the classic model of codependency was co-alcoholism, that you grew up in yeah. a family with an alcoholic and because 
there was all that sort of pressure and stress and you were looking to the outside world to stay safe and walking on broken glass, you lost yourself. Codependency is so much more than all of that. Look, we're all codependent to some extent because all of us are trying to seek our sense of self from outside of ourselves rather than providing it for self. And more of a question that you're the creator of your experience and your inner state is the creator of everything in your outer. So, yeah, so codependency, when it's coupled with narcissism, and that was our part in it, because really what we all did is when we're living with somebody incredibly abusive and we're trying to fix them and change them in order to be safe and happy, what we're saying is my life is dependent on this person getting their act together. Now, that's not true. That's so not true. And, you know, I love something I read recently, you know, in the Vortex from Jerry and Esther Hicks, which was really about, um, and, and Esther says, if he could say it how it is, he would say, will you wake up? I was never actually meant to be the person that got it right for you. I was never meant to be the person you, you decided you needed me to be to make you happy. I was the person giving you back to yourself. So this yes. is... You know, what we need to understand about narcissism yes. is that it would be like us getting a crocodile, taking it into our backyard and expecting it to act like a, a household pet. It's and that's not exactly going to happen. Right. Yes. yes. You can't turn a shark into a dolphin. We do it's our not going to happen. Because we're like, hang on, this crocodile is not sitting and begging and it's not fetching ball and it's not coming up to me and smooching up to me and behaving gently because it's a, it's a crocodile. You know, now, narcs are obviously, we know that. They're very, very good, very, very good at the start at, at making out that they're everything that you want them to be and that they're loving and they're connected and they're honest and they've got amazing integrity and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there are massive warning signs. There are massive warning signs that we didn't know. We we only really sort of felt that things were wrong, but, you know, because we're women and we wanted it to work and we, you know, shoved them aside and go, well, you know, there's so much good stuff here, I'm just going to ignore that and pretend that didn't happen. And, and even if it did, I know I can fix it, you know. Mm. So, and then progressively it got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But, you know, but the, this, this thing how narcs think about this entitlement and this supply is a massive aspect of it. So even at the beginning, what if, if you're... And I'm just going to be really blunt here. If you are needy enough to actually feel that that sort of level of obsession is flattering, I know I was, I'm going to be honest. You know, yeah. you're very susceptible. You are susceptible. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes. Yeah, if you're healthy yeah, enough... Totally agree. And this is the education that's needed out there. If you are healthy enough... If you know, if somebody leaves you a message and you don't get back within two hours and there's three or four there, you know, rather than think, oh my God, he or she must love me that much, or you know, they think I'm so attractive that they can't get me off their mind, that's not healthy. Yes. No, it's not. It's really, and it's not. And it, and it is, and it is a massive warning sign because I even remember yes. actually in the beginning of the relationship saying to him. You seem to be obsessed, and I, I was I was picking up my own warning signs, but I wasn't taking enough notice of them. But I said, yeah. but I said, you yeah. know, what is it? Now, and I'd sort of start to backpedal, and you know, yeah. and then he'd sort of up the ante, so to speak. So yeah. it was, it's, yeah. and you know, and they put you into that spin straight away. You know that you you just what's that? Yeah. Well, the reasons excuses are going to be there. The reasons, you know, well, it's because blah, blah, blah happened to me. Or it's because this, or it's because that, or it's, you know, yeah. Or or then they're going to say, well, well, it's obvious that you don't think about me as much as I do you. So it might be the guilt. Yes, yeah, yeah, that sort of stuff, yes. And then you're you're made to feel guilty. So, you know, they're already, you know, hitting on your guilt and your, oh, my God, and... And yeah. um, straight away, and and I know even even with mine, I mean, he largely used my own uh, morals and values and ideals against me, because be, because I was a certain person who goes, well, shouldn't I be able to do this because you think like that? And it, it, it was sort of like, 
uh, the excuses, but I actually come to understand that that he had stock standard answers for any given situation. Like, well, you know, how come you can't discuss this? And he'd say things like, well, look at the way you carry on. And, yes. you know, oh and, it was just that one's out of the handbook. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he's going, well, and you'd be standing there and going, how am I carrying on? Well, have a look at yourself. And it, it's sort of yeah. like, well, I'm looking at myself, but I can't see what, what, what the problem is here, <laughs> you know, some, some of the things like yeah. that. And with mine, I mean, he, uh, he got to the stage where he was getting violent. So, mm-hmm. and I think he tried to control that in the sense that we, we didn't even argue anymore. I'd bring something up, he'd go into a yes. flat-out rage, and then he'd walk out for three or four days or five days or whatever, and I wouldn't see him again. Yes, yes. Then whatever the argument... And then, of course, I'd be obsessing over whatever this argument was for the three or four days because I couldn't get hold of him yes. or whatever. Then he'd yes. turn up after all this. Yes. It'd be about something yes. that I'd done that I didn't even know I'd done. There would be nothing about yes. the argument. Yes. And then you'd, be, you'd just be left in utter confusion. So, you know. And all of that's about power. It is. You know, all of that is about power because he would have known too that, you know, when he actually left the scene for that amount of time that you'd be obsessing and and waiting for him to come back. So, you know, especially your attention, you're on the hook. Yes. And after three Mm -hmm. or four days, you don't even care what the argument was about anymore. You don't even remember what it was about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and they, they they are well aware of that. They, they, he knew how long he had to leave me, and I remember just before like the final um, final D and D. This was a month before, and it was uh, it was uh, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I actually said this because mm-hmm. I wasn't living with him anymore, and I wasn't going to spend Christmas mm-hmm. with him because he always walked out on me. And anyway, yes. so I said, yes. I've been... Do you know how many people report that about narcissism? Is it around Christmas time? Yeah, around Christmas time, there's always blow-ups, there's always... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really anyway, anyway, I gave him Christmas Eve, and I cooked a really nice meal, and, you know, it was a nice night and everything, and anyway, he ended up walking out on me that night. He had mm-hmm. to do it. And, yeah. um, you know, yeah. and then we, it, it just... It, there was no avoiding it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, so at absolutely. that stage, I mean, I was I was sort of fairly on to him by this stage. So three days later, I tried to ring him, and you know, he was all you know, hardly spoke to me on the phone. And yeah. um, it was sort of like um, I was being accused of not caring about him and all that sort of stuff. And I go, okay, okay, when you get over your sulks, talk to me again. And I just left it at that. And he didn't like yeah. it either because I didn't respond angrily. I just was getting to the stage, he just really didn't care. Yeah, so, you know, yeah. and, and it, was, it was a it's month a, after that. It's interesting, that, though, isn't it? Because, you know, the addiction phenomena and, you know, and, and as you and I know, Nance, and, you know, dealing with a lot of people and you've been, you know, quite active in forums and seen a lot that's gone on there. So, you know, one of the biggest problems is is, is staying hooked on the, the dynamics, the energy of the narcissist, you know, even after the separation and hence why a lot of people go back, um, yes. a lot of people really struggle to move on, they've got agoraphobia, they're shell-shocked, they've got post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, um, and, and the obsessional uh, thinking and everything is spiralling right down into, you know, often psychosis where you, you really can't even function because... This person has taken, well, you've allowed it, but, you know, you're putting so much energy into the thinking about the narcissist. So, you know, I, I do know that there's a lot of my clients that have really tried the tactic or they've wanted to go down the, the, the stage of weaning off, you know. So I'm yeah. nearly done with it, I'm nearly over it, you know, all that. Now, in normal relationship breakups, how many people have reported even marriages for 10, 15 years, you know, we just grew apart. And he might have even been, you know, a little bit angry or disconnected or we weren't happy or, you know, whatever. But people can grow apart. They can fall out of love. Of course, it's painful to split up. You know, you might miss that person. It might be things you miss. But there's not that intense, obsessional addiction that goes down with narcissism. 
So and that's right. For, for women, women that are trying to wean off, you know, and I've heard it time and time again. So I, I guess it's like, let, let's say, you know, let's say you've been addicted to 40 cigarettes a day and you're going to try and wean off cigarettes. It may not work. You know, you might have been like, you know, a massive rampant alcoholic and you're going to, you know, hopefully get it down to where you just have a couple of glasses of wine a night, all those sorts of things. That's very, very rare and unusual to be actually able to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I have been a past alcoholic. I have been a past smoker. Um, and I have been hooked on a narcissist. And all of those things are very, very similar that... If you if you think because the thing is with the narcissist is you're trying to actually get some of you back, some of your structure back, some of your you're trying to win, you're trying to win some boundaries back, you're trying to win some sensibility, some stability, some upper hand, something you can control. Problem is the goalposts keep moving. So just when you think you've got some level of sensibility, respect, morality, it's going to twist and turn and change. It's like a mutating virus that every and time you come up is. for a cure. Yes, and it's a mutation. And, and that, that, that's it. Uh, a narcissist can evolve. He can change. He can change his, his, his behaviour patterns, but he just finds another way to come at you. And, that's right. And, you know, like, that's... yeah. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen it, you know, happen many times. It's sort of like, I won't do that again. They don't do that. They just find another way to get at you. And, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right because there's no boundaries, there's, there's no perimeters. Because when there's no conscience, there's no boundaries. So there's nothing to contain this virus. There's this, no. it, it, it's completely out in the open and there's no, there's no gates or fences around it. And that's and what that happens with the mark. So it goes back to that agenda-based thinking. It's still they, they may change their behaviour, but it's still agenda-based. So, you know, they just find, and that's what it is, they just find another way to, to manipulate you. Well, that's exactly right. Because the lack of conscience does boil down to it's all about self, which is ego, which is I will have my needs fulfilled regardless of the damage it does to others in my environment. Now, that's the model yes. of narcissism. So you're not valued. So your your feelings, your it's not valued. So, you know, really the biggest thing is for people out there that are involved with a narcissist, and I believe it's 16% of the population that are. Uh, well, I, I, I think probably at least. Yeah, exactly. And I would say high level, like really, really NPD high level. No hope. And, stuff. But, but, but yeah, yeah. But there, there is, it's sort of like um, I, I think the way our society is structured, it seems to be increasing because, I mean, there are, there's a lot of narcissistic attributes that are actually um, valued out there in the world, you know, this, this whole look yeah, at me, look at absolutely. me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Totally. And our, our whole commodity society generates it. You know, yes, it it's all that status and ego and the car and the, the house and the, you know, the trophy girlfriend and the this and the that and absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, if people are focused on that stuff to feel full, well, then, mm-hmm. you know, that's really heading towards narcissism. It is. It, yeah, 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 big time. So, you know, the people out there that are listening to this, that are thinking, okay, I can relate. I've been stuck in those arguments in trying to get him to get it. You know what I used to call it, and I wrote about this in my book. It's like trying to get a five-year-old to get it. Yes, it drives your head in. It drives you insane. And especially when like, that. And that's do you exactly remember that I mean, Those conversations that you feel like you're talking to a five-year-old. But you are. You actually are, yeah, you are. and that is the point. <laughs> The, yeah, yeah. The, you know, emotionally, you are talking to a five-year-old, and um, you know, even That's even right. with mine, some of the, some of the stuff he'd done, and he actually turned around and said things like, "Oh, but lots of other men do it," and it's really mm. like, "Oh, but Mummy Johnny mm. lets his Mummy do it." Yeah, exactly. And yeah, it's, and, yeah, and, and, and it's the same no. reasoning. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, say, "Well, I did it because I was angry." I, you know, oh, yeah. I did. I'm, or you Not made me do it, but I did it because I was angry, and that was that was reason enough. And yeah. in a five-year-old's brain, that is reason enough. 
That's why it I did it because I was enough. hungry. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah, like, so you know, you, you see a lot of these women, you know, and I, you know, on the forums and that saying, why why can't I get him to see him? Why can't I? And I tried, and I told him this and I told him that. Mm. And I say, walk into a, you feel like saying, walk into a daycare centre somewhere, mm. find a five-year-old boy bouncing off the walls and go up and ask him to show you responsible love because that's the same thing you're asking of a narcissist. Correct. Spot on, Nance. You know, and, and this is it. Because if you are going to, and I did, I did, I know you did, Nancy, we all did it. But the reason why we're not there now, and there's no part of us obsessed and hooked and doing our head in and thinking what ifs and in the illusion anymore, is because we've really realised that what you're chasing doesn't exist. That's right. So spot on, spot on, Nance. If you want responsible, safe, healthy love, you can't expect a five-year-old to give you that, just like you can't expect a crocodile to act like a Labrador. It just can't yes. do it. You know. And, so, you know, and I mean, yeah, and, and that's, that's the lack of empathy. They don't have it. They never developed it. And um, so they, right. they just generally do not know. And I, I know with, you know, a lot of narcissists that I've known, they actually see love as something weak and pathetic and leaves you open Absolutely. to be abused. Now, that is correct, that it does leave you open to be abused. But it's, yes. but it's not something that if you've got the ability to do it that you'd ever give up. You know, and I don't, you that's know, right. all my experiences... Narcissist, I'm certainly not going to turn into one just because I got run over a few times. No, exactly right. Exactly right. And look, I think it's true is when you develop um, past that five-year-old emotional intelligence state because that young five-year-old model or, you know, up to seven or nine or wherever it be or through a severe injury, somebody's regrets and shut off compassion, empathy, et cetera, and conscience, you know, but that five-year-old level is very is very self-absorbed. It's very it's all about me, it, which little kids right. can be very much like, you know. But then what happens is as they grow and they advance, they realise they do want to connect in healthy ways, and they actually realise that by staying in that it's all about me model and not having compassion and empathy is not helpful to win-win. Is not helpful to togetherness, to oneness, to community, to all those sorts of things. So the, the normal human model develops, still retains healthy narcissism, which is, I do want to have my needs met, but I want to have my needs met in ways that can actually enhance um, and add to my environment and work with my environment rather than destroy my environment. Because the thing is, what the narcissist is missing, which they often discover very late in life, is that when I actually destroy all of my environment around me and when I'm just left with myself, I'm actually an empty shell with nothing left. That's and right. And that's where narcissists end up. So it's like they, they the vampire do. that runs out of corpses. <clears throat> it's like the celestial they... bodies in space that actually suck other uh, celestial bodies around them to sustain themselves and when they actually run out of celestial bodies they implode because there's mm-hmm. nothing left to suck so this is what happens to narcs when they get older now the thing is as as humans and as women and I know I did this right when I discovered all of this stuff and I was still nowhere near recovered or out or whatever you know I I thought, oh, my God, I've got to save him from this, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've got to save him. So, you know, this is what we would do. So we jump in and try and save them, and we want to find that one bit of humanity and we want to, you know, like, and, and all the rest of the thing. But what we don't realise that, you know, I firmly do now is, is that what happens with all narcs is when you run in to save them from themselves, they actually hate you for wanting to save them. And they actually pity you and are repulsed by you and are only going to punish you even more because you are showing that vulnerable, disgusting part of humanity that they do not want to be a part of. And also, too, what you were saying is your false self is not good enough, is not valid, is not healthy, so you're actually threatening that part of themselves that they attest the most value to, so they're going to punish you for that. 
So you cannot right. help because an arc. No, because I mean, you know, and it's all the, the it, it's so, I mean, it's so ingrained and developed that that's it's their defence mechanisms, mm. and they're not going to let them down for for anything, because no, no, you know no. the, the most terrifying thing they can do is actually face their real self. Correct, correct, and they would rather lose everything. Yes, everything yes. in their life, including. Yes their wives, their husbands, their properties, they would even rather yep. be incarcerated than lose their false mm. self. They would actually literally rather die physically than lose their false self. Mm. You know. So, and I think the thing is, the human model we all know is that somewhere, somehow, and maybe we went through it ourselves, where we get, where we fall or we get confronted or we go through an experience, where the injury is so intense that we actually drop our ego and start becoming real and accountable. And, you know, yes. And we own ourselves, warts and all, and we expose it. That is is one thing about the narcissistic experience is, you know, if you don't, if you don't turn back to yourself and drop your ego and have a look at yourself, you're basically dead. You know, you've got nothing left. So the only choice you really have in the end is is to to you know really look at yourself and take the focus off everything the nar- nar- narcissist did and it's like okay what part did I play in this why did I let this go on what is it about me and mm. and that's when but without that narcissistic experience you wouldn't actually go so deep I suppose into yourself to find out those answers. But on that. Spot on. And this is the difference between people that heal and people that don't heal. There is nothing helpful about having a a lens on the world which is saying, well, I am a powerless victim to other people's behaviour. You know, if we really all thought that, why not get in the bunker and wrap ourselves up in cotton wool right now? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Throw your hands in the air, yep. Exactly. What's What's the point? Right? Mm. If you want to live through that lens, for and, and this is, you know, okay, so you might go to psychology or forums or everything else, and what they're saying is this is not your fault, you were a victim. It's not about fault. It's about empowerment. It's, about, yes. it's not about blaming yourself because, you know, we've all been brought up for centuries, thousands of years to be codependent. We've all been stripped of our own power. We all haven't realised what we're unconsciously manifesting. We haven't realised that everything that we're manifesting is actually there to actually empower us and give us a gift. Okay, we've all been walking around in dark with this stuff. So if you can use it as an empowering thing to actually get to the truth of yourself and to empower yourself, it's the greatest gift you'll ever experience. Now, wouldn't that be a much better way to go rather than I'm a powerless victim that got screwed over and my life is never going to be the same again? You know, I lived that initially for probably a couple of years and I'll tell you what, that was the worst couple of years of my life, living yeah, exactly. that model. And, and if and I kept living it, I wasn't going to me, And even for me, I yeah. mean, I'm, I, I'm very much um, not a victim. I don't like being a victim. And I, don't, I, I found it very, very difficult that even after everything I'd been through, I had to actually sit down and admit I was for a while. Okay, you were. You were a victim of this. Right, let's have a look at it. And really, I existed in that space for a very short time. And go, okay, what are we going to do to get out of this? And, you know, that was the next step. But, but, you know, and and I suppose it goes back to the narcissist. The narcissist is the quintessential victim. They're always playing on their victimhood. Yes. And victims take hostages. Absolutely. Sorry? And victims take hostages. You know, the narcissist is the ultimate victim. You're right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, and for me, and I thought, well, I'm not staying in this. I'm not staying in this status. Okay, I'm going to have to, you know, get through it. But Mm. I'm not going to sit around and cry about being anybody's victim for the rest of my life. 
Well, the problem is, yes, you're so right. Because the problem is, you know, when we're a victim, we've got to sit around hoping somebody else is going to fix it for us. Yes. This person victimised me, right? Well, how do I not be a victim? I've got to wait for them to fix it. And no, this is never going to fix it. They were never there to fix it. They were there to teach you how to fix it for yourself. Mm. You know, so so the statement is not that I am a victim because of this person, is why did I allow myself to be victimised exactly. and why have I created my life dependent on what a specific person is or isn't doing? Yes. Why have yes. I made exactly. them responsible for my life? When you're not on a desert island with one other human being who holds all the keys to the city gates, you're in... <laughs> A world which is full of other people, other resources, other opportunities. Why does that one person have to be your everything when they're abusing you and tearing your life to shreds? They don't. Yeah, very good point. We're not in prison. And and, and that is the, you know... But we think we are. Sorry? We're not in prison with them, but the fact is we're in prison ourselves. And, and the fact is, we have imprisoned ourselves. We lo- we we locked our own cage door, and you know, threw away mm-hmm. the key. And then mm-hmm. when we then we went looking for mm-hmm. it, we went, oh my god, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think exactly. that's the most important part is to uh, go back and and really, you know, because I've been in um, uh, bad relationships before, I actually I actually was pretty adamant that this was not going to happen to me again. And mm-hmm. I remember when those first I big red flags too. started. The first big red flags started to fall. I thought, no, nah, I'm strong enough to walk away if I need to. But yeah. but what what I didn't didn't count on is that slide back down into that spiral is so quick and it can happen so fast. And yes. I know in my particular case, I was already preconditioned for it anyway. So yes, yes. I really underestimated myself in that situation. Yes, it yes. wasn't about what he was doing. It was it was about you know underestimating myself. I think. Yeah, and not not trusting yourself, man. Sorry. And not, not trusting, trusting yourself. yourself. You say, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and having you know, that. Yeah. And having that big DNA issue, you know, coming through, which is like, well, if this one doesn't work, maybe I'm not going to get an opportunity again. Oh, oh that, that's so right. And you know, like the, you know, the average female that is struck by um, narcissists, they're usually in their mid thirties because they're, um, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they, they've been through relationships. They're, you know, they're a little bit lonely. They're not 24 anymore and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And they are yeah. actually the most vulnerable women out there. And, and, right. and the narc knows that. Yes, yes. And also, too, a lot of those women by this age have got resources because they've had failed they relationships. They've had to pick up their pieces. They've had to get independent. They've had to, exactly. you know, create some half-decent careers or property or whatever else. They've got resources yes. to mine. Yes. I mean, I, 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 me, I was, I was, I was actually perfect narc-based when I looked back. Yeah, I was just like, you know, I must have been going off like a beacon. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right, exactly. So was I. I know, there could be T-shirts that people could get made, actually. You know? Yeah. Welcome Snap to Snap Out of It Radio <laughs> Network. Hear all our great shows oh, across the world. Join... I put on the wrong music, sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm doing well. <laughs> See, this is what happens when I come back from holidays. I've got no idea what I'm doing. So, oh, okay. um, but, Nance, you know what? We're out of time. We yeah, are out of time. That. I know. How quick was that? That is so quick. But anyway, <laughs> you know, to anybody uh, listening up in northern Queensland, you know, God bless all of you, and we really, really hope that the rain stops and the relief gets sorted and that and for people listening in, you know, from all over the world, if there's any way that you can, you know, give to the relief and help out there, um, it's a really big opportunity to step up and, you know, help people that are suffering. So, but, you know, Nan, thank you for today. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to work on some more um, NARC shows. And I'd actually really love to, uh, you know, talk a little bit more about the forums and what can happen there and the shifts that that we both, 
or I, I believe at least, but I know you do too, really need to happen there. But I hope this show has been helpful. And uh, please know that you can always, uh, you know, email myself at melanie at melanietonyevans.com to um, get some more information and, uh, and have a look at my website as well. So thank you, Nance. And um, I hope everything's going to be okay up there for you. You're on a hill, so that's all. Everything's fine for me. No, it's been a pleasure. All right, bye everyone. All right, darling. Okay, bye-bye, and we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye.